welcome to the Social Policy Connections audio podcast. The following Social Policy Connections event was held in association with ACT for Peace, the international aid agency of the National Council of Churches in Australia, on Saturday, April the 19th, 2010, at the Study Centre of Yarra Theological Union. Our guest speaker was the Reverend Dr. Andre Karamaga, a Rwandan Presbyterian minister who lost family members during the Rwandan genocide and is now General Secretary of the All-African Conference of Churches, which represents 173 churches and Christian organizations from 40 African countries with 140 million adherents. Dr. Karamaga's talk was entitled New Hope for Africa, the Church's Role in Peacemaking and Development. If you would like to attend one of our events, please refer to our website www.socialpolicyconnections.com.au Feel free to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or an RSS feed located on the website's home page as we will be publishing podcasts regularly, free of charge. Thank you very much. I want to start by expressing my joy to be here. I have been traveling throughout the world, uh, uh, Latin America, Asia, uh, and many times in Europe where I did my studies, but uh, I feel at home here because it is warm like in Africa. <laughs> I am glad to be here. Uh, I have chosen to be very brief and to privilege the situation when we can interact than when I speak because uh, in my, from my training I am a preacher. If I preach, I can take two days, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, you will not have a time to express yourself. So, the All Africa Conference of Churches, as has been said, is an ecumenical organization which was established since 1963, just one month before the formation of the Organization of African Unity. And they comprise different denominations, Christian denomination, Protestant churches, the Orthodox Church, and the Catholic Church is participates in the World Africa Conference of Churches mainly through national councils. Because in Africa, uh, the Catholic Church is member of national councils, for instance, in Sudan, in Uganda, in Congo Brazzaville, in Swaziland, in South Africa. So, and these national councils are affiliated members of the All Africa Conference of Churches. So, I will uh, not focus on that, but uh, I want to say that uh, the topic, as it was formulated, is which kind of hope for Africa and our involvement in different programs. That is where I am going to be brief and say that in many situations, Africa is perceived 
as Nazareth. You know, in the New Testament, it was said, nothing good can, can't come from Nazareth. And this is the image uh, people carry on. And uh, it is uh, when you give me the possibility to tell you where we are heading to, I hope you allow me to tell you where we are from. And uh, one of the truths I want to remind here is that Africa has not started to exist when people who pretend to have discovered it came. Africa has been in existence for many, many centuries from the time immemorial. Managing its problems and sustaining its populations until the time it was disorganized and then became what it is now. That is one thing. Secondly, Africa has roots and one of the uh, signs of hope I will come back to is the church. The church is a sign of hope for Africa. I will explain why. But when we talk about the church in Africa, and when I am talking to people who have connection with theology, it is my pleasure to remind that the Christianity in Africa is to be considered in its own dimension, including the fact that God, the monotheism is part of the African belief again from time immemorial. If you go to any country in Africa, they will give you a name in the mother tongue naming the unique God. Some call him call Mulungu, Mungu, Nzambe, Imana, in our, our common culture with my brother here, whom I saw here, from Burundi, uh, Andrea Maneta in Madagascar, in each part of Africa, there is a, an understanding of God, unique God. And those who brought the gospel in our situation said, how this came? And some said, ah, that is the influence from the Judaism, because the precision of that monotheism is extremely similar with the one of Jewish people. This cannot be denied, but what we, what we say now is to say that we were influenced by Jews to name God. We, we have the right to, pro, to pretend to have influenced Jews to precise the content they put behind the name of God, because as most of you know, Jewish people have spent 400 years in our continent, in Africa. And we have very clear indication of interaction between Jewish people and Africans. As a matter of fact, and I said it also yesterday, uh, Moses' wife, 
those who read Hebrew, is the Kushit, the black, African. So this inter-influence is a reality. And our Christianity is rooted, or is, we have to do a lot of job to root it in African spirituality. This is very, very important for the church in Africa. As a matter of fact, uh, and when I was speaking in one of the Congress with the Jewish people in Africa, dialoguing with Africa, I said, uh, Jewish people have uh, in the liturgy a formula saying, remember the slavery in Egypt. And this is a very motivating fact in the liturgy. In the Congress I said, you need to add something. Remember the blessing you have got in Africa. Because nowadays, if you go as migrant, as a refugee, like Joseph, and you are accepted and integrated up to be nominated as a minister, is a very, very good integration and hospitality. Even I said, if in Africa, the African environment did not allow Joseph to reconcile with his brothers. We couldn't be talking about a nation. This, I said, and I think my friend, friend said, I think we need to remember these facts, which are the foundation of the nation. So, signs of hope for Africa. One of the signs of hope, once again, when we read African history, uh, we, sometimes we can read it very positively. When we see African community, the interventions from everywhere now, we need to remember one thing. And this, I, I repeat it wherever I speak, is what Africa has been able to achieve in the history of humanity. We have started, that is to be reminded, we have started the 20th century with the total occupation of our continent and uh, for understandable reasons because the industrialization of the world needs resources and the continent was divided into 53 pieces coordinations and uh, when we read when you go back in our history to look for signs of hope we discover that in 1945, a group of students, African students, sat in Manchester, England, and convened what we call the Pan-African Congress. In that Congress, the documentation tells us that they said, they set aside African agenda. This agenda, the first term of the agenda said, Africa must be free, and we have to make it possible to happen. And we are ready to leave our studies to go to make it possible. The second term on that agenda in Manchester, England, was to say, even if we reach independences, we need to fight for economical integration. 
because there is no freedom without sustain economic sustainability. And the third, uh, that is surprising for us theologians, they say, the third thing on the agenda was even if we have independences, economic integration, we need to have spiritual renewal. Because our journey has killed in us the self-confidence. And we have to root our understanding in our own culture and values. So, they started to go to action. And in less than 50 years, we celebrated the achievement of the first point on the agenda when Nelson Mandela was elected as the, as the president of South Africa because the, South Africa was the last colony to be rebuilt. And this was achieved in less than 50 years. So I challenge whoever can believe that Africa cannot achieve anything. Africa and friends of Africa. In less than 50 years, the independence was again, and we have a problem to, of, to, to read the history to the consistency. But I want to assure you that this struggle for independence was done in a very consistent way. In 1965, when the Sudan, and the Sudan now we have a negative image of Sudan with what has happened. When Sudan got independent, they said, we are not independent. We will be independent when the rest of the continent is independent. They joined Ethiopia, which was the only country which resisted and defeated the Italians, which was not colonized. They joined hand and brought it together young African uh, Pan-Africanists. Kenyatta, Nkrumah, uh, Nyerere, they brought them together to organize them. And the following year, 57, Ghana became independent, and Nkrumah said, we are not independent. We will be independent when the rest of the continent is free. And then, it, the wind continued in very close solidarity, and uh, we were, I think we were born that time, the slogan was to say the freedom from, from Cairo to Cap. Not, and that time Muslims, all the groups, Arabs and uh, black Africans were together to say it, this is not negotiable, it has to happen. Later on, Kenya, Tanzania, uh, Zambia, and when I remember the speech of Nyerere, when Tanzania became independent, he said, we are not independent. We are the front line to liberate the rest of the continent. And they brought these uh, Afri Pan-Africanists, Samora Mashe, Mbeki, and the others to or get organized to liberate their own country. So I am mentioning this, this achievement is a sign of hope. Because these, when we speak to our young people and uh, who have uh, discouraged, we say, we can achieve, it has been achieved. Our generation has to achieve its own responsibility. So, friends, it is from this perspective that we come to say that from our faith, 
from our Christian faith, we need to work to give the content to the spiritual renewal which was already envisaged by the Manchester Pan-African Congress because no one else will do it. And I think if we go to our values, we have sufficient resources to do it. And even to inspire the current dynamics in the world. I give an example from the traditional African belief. What is happening now could not happen. No one can fight in the name of God, in the name of religion. Because Africans traditionally believe that if you fight in the name of God, if you use religion to fight each other, your God is not God, he's an idol. Because only the idol needed to be protected by human beings. is a strong belief. So we also read our history by integrating, saying, yes, in the 19th century we have had a very strong movement of evangelization. It is not the first movement. Christianity was not new. In Africa, uh, I explained how even it goes uh, to the Old Testament period, but also the beginning of Christianity, all of you remember that uh, the role played by African theologians, St. Augustine, Tertullian, and the others. So this, this belief, this existence of the continent is to say that uh, the economic integration is an imperative for our government with our right to say it has to happen and we have to organize ourselves for spiritual renewal. And then that is how you see the connection of engagement between us and you. Because, once again, the church is, is not national, is not a continental, the church is universal. We are one body with all the diversities God has given us, and we work together. And uh, we are particularly committed in Africa in the question of peace. And the role played by the church cannot be played by anybody else. You remember in the 90s, hmm, our interaction with the Western powers has not been always harmonious. At one time, some politicians in Europe said Africa is not mature enough to have democracy. They need strong powers. And they, they facilitated the performance of coup d'etat. And you had the dictators. The following morning they said, yeah, you cannot go anywhere without democratization. You go to a multi-party system. And when this wind came, it brought a lot of wind, of, uh, of tensions. And, uh, and you remember if a nation Challenged by that, they say, what do we do? They call what we call national conferences. You remember the national conference in the Democratic Republic in Congo? They look around, they see who can help us, they call the bishop to preside over the conference. 
Benin. <laughs> when you have all this in Togo, when we had those, these conferences, they, they look around and see what is the institution which is viable, which has minimum of organization, they call upon the judge. Currently, when we, we are involved, the World Africa Conference of Churches, in close collaboration with the Catholic Bishop Conference, which has its head of headquarters in Ghana, Accra, together with the Council of Muslims, we are involved in different crises in Africa, in Sudan, in Somalia, in Zimbabwe, uh, for the task of peace. Peacemaking when there are open conflict. Peace consolidation in a fragile situation like in the country of my brother here, Burundi, Sierra Leone, uh, Liberia, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, Rwanda, in all these countries, and in peace, in, in conflict prevention. When we don't see the war, but you see the signs of implosion. So the church is at that front, and we appreciate the support of Act for Peace Australia, which is the main uh, supporter of a number of very interesting process. We, for instance, worked on uh, civic education and monitor elections in Sudan and in other parts of the continent now with this support. And I think I want to take the opportunity to thank you for the support you give to this kind of instrument, which express your solidarity and the love of God expressed in trying to approach positively the misery and uh, unacceptable situations of our time. Hope for Africa. Yes. We believe in God. Our faith is a sign of hope. We, we have resources, tremendous resources, and up to now, others have benefited tremendously from it. We are the only ones who have not benefited from it. We have to reverse that situation. Signs of hope. We, we claim from our faith that God give us blessings. We have the population. It is seen as a problem, but the population could also be a blessing. We need to use it for the better of our people. I had promised to speak shorter, but now I spoke longer. I am sorry. I stop here, and then we can have a time of interaction. You're just happy to take questions from the floor, is it? Uh, I wanted to call it comment, comment. Uh, and contribution. Yeah. More comment and contribution than question, but I can accept the question. Stand right down there. Does it need to be adjusted there? Yeah. I might uh, comment right there. You go. Front row. First row, first question. No, it's only the bad thing. Yeah. Thank you.
Thank you so much for that. I'm very grateful. Could I ask you to talk about two very small examples that I have some knowledge of? One is in Mozambique after the Civil War. Money was found to collect weapons and turn them into objects of art. Uh, and I've heard of this. It's been copied in Cambodia. It's a, a very powerful program, if you could talk about that. Secondly, the mediation centre in Kaduna, the Muslim Christian centre, which, as I understand, has become a bit of a model for conversation. If you could talk about those two examples at first hand, I'd be very grateful. Can we take some more than one? So you, and you want to shake it? Yes, okay, yeah. Um, what actually happened in Rwanda after the genocide? In the, in the Western media, it's sort of when the, when the violence stopped, the interest in the Western media stopped as well. So has Rwanda undergone something similar to South Africa with uh, peace and reconciliation, or, or what's the situation? behind you, Arthur, for a minute. Yeah, lay behind you. Yeah. I was going to actually ask Dr. Andre the same sort of thing. Um, would you be able to comment on uh, the reconciliation movement in Rwanda? Just coming back to the economic side of it, um, the role of the nation might be some His question relates to the International Monetary Fund and what role um, it, the fund, what role you would like to see the fund play in uh, in African um, development. Yes, maybe. Yeah.
and you know professors raise a question when they know the response. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the project, the initiative collecting arms by giving something in, a, in compensation of those who does it, it worked very well in Mozambique. It is being done in the in Democratic Republic of Congo, also successfully, uh, but uh, in, to, to have a country which comes from the world and to make it safe from small weapons is really a challenge. So this model is being repeated and uh, in Mozambique it was done by the churches under the inspiration of the church in Congo as well. It is, it is, a, it is one of the uh, models which is, is being used. The challenge we have uh, with uh, the manipulation of the relationship between Muslim and Christian is a very clear challenge which is very well known and the concern is shared between Muslim leaders and Christian leaders because we have had many uh, forums bringing together Muslim and Christian uh, and from the Quran teachings, from the Bible teachings you cannot justify violence. The challenge we have is that, and that is what also was said in any other places when I spoke about this, is that the fanatism in this area is generated from outside the continent, especially when young people go to Quranic schools outside the continent, or even some also Christian uh, fundamentalist uh, comes from some outside the continent and come to teach exclusion 
and he prepared the use of violence. So Christian and Muslim leaders are working together. The All Africa Conference of Churches, the Catholic Conference, <coughs> and the Council of Muslims are working closely, organizing encounters to deal with this question. As a matter of fact, as I speak now, uh, we are busy preparing a summit of religious leaders which will take place on 18 and to 20th May in Abuja, Nigeria. And the Center of Peace uh, Mediation in, uh, in JOS is one of the resources encouraged by this network. Uh, international aid. What, what is my opinion about it? Uh, I will be very critical saying that we speak about international community. From the theological point of view, a community, a koinonia, is really a space for solidarity. You will recall that no rich country avail at least 1% of its income to express solidarity when and fight the scandal of misery in the world. Even 1%. But we also know from the statistics that, for instance, with Africa, what countries take from Africa is richer than 1%. So this is an unbalanced situation which cannot be accommodated with our Christian ethics. It is true that when I was interacting with some people here, including the leadership, in the country, uh, and that has to do with the, the, the spiritual, uh, the, the spiritual renewal. When you also send money and it is misused and there is corruption, this is a challenge which we need to fight because uh, we cannot, we don't see anybody who can just channel money when you know it is going to be misused or go to the pocket of some people. Even though we know that in the past uh, some uh, uh, some of our friends may be happy because the money comes to the bank eh, of the country which gave that money and they can say it comes back home. Eh? So uh, what do we, the role of the church in Zimbabwe? Zimbabwe is one of the countries where uh, the power the regime has been able to divide churches. One once become pro the regime, others became against. When you have a such a situation, when the church doesn't speak with one voice, the prophetic voice is not possible. The role of the World African Conference of Church is to bring the churches together to say, please speak with one voice, not from the partisan attitude from the principles of the gospel. We are still working on this with regard to Zimbabwe. Uh, we have not, we cannot say we have achieved and brought them to speak with one voice from what we believe in and give a prophetic leadership. 
but we, we know it is happening like that. It is not the only unique situation, unfortunately, in Madagascar, the same situation. Uh, we are aware of that. We are working on that. And we have other situations which are worse, like uh, Eritrea, when the power has been able to silence the voice of the church and control the church. We have other situations, and that we come back, I come to, to, to my brother from Democratic Republic of Congo, give an example we, when a moment, one time, uh, and uh, we are in contact uh, with the Monsignor Monsengo and the other prominent leaders through a program we have which is called Eminent Person Program for Peace in Africa, which includes uh, the leadership of churches who go to speak to powers and say no. In the case of Congo, uh, we had a, a time when Congo was supporting the rebellion to come back to Rwanda. And Rwanda was supporting the rebellion to attack Congo, which was fighting Congo, the rebellion of Uganda. You heard about it. At this time, churches said, we have to do something. You, the World Africa Conference of Churches, give us a space. We speak. And that initiative came from the leadership of the churches in the Congo. And we brought together the leadership of churches from Congo, Rwanda, Burundi. They went together. I have some photos of this here. They went together to see President Kabila and said, enough is enough. We don't want to see the blood of people. It is enough. He said, me, I have no problem to have a dialogue. I am ready. But President Kagame of Rwanda doesn't want. They said, we want to go to, to see him. And they went to see Kagame and said, enough is enough. We don't want to see the blood. You talk. But because they were together, crossing the boundaries of the countries, then we heard the following week, the emissaries from the both countries started to talk. And they stopped the war at a time when the town of Goma was falling. So these, these are achievements which have occurred, and uh, we are very encouraged by that, and we continue. And we do it with ecumenically, broadly, and in many cases we do it also in interfaith uh, collaboration, bringing Muslim and Christian together. I, we may circulate some photos showing our interaction with head of state uh, on this uh, situation. Uh, we had uh, another question concerning uh, yeah, I think I, uh, climate change. Climate change is a challenge, as you know, and uh, I really want to, uh, to share with you one of the concerns we have in Africa. The, I was part of the <coughs> Copenhagen uh, we went there, but <coughs> the speech which is said is uh, Africans say we are not a polluting. Those who, po who are producing pollution have to pay. Personally, some of us in Africa were not happy with that. Because this says, as a message, we continue to live as we used to live. 
we even continue to have imitation of the Western model eh? when a husband, when a wife, when if he has two children, everyone has a car. Hmm? Because we are not depositing, we continue to do, we, to cut our trees without any, any care because we are not depositing. We said we are depositing as well. And we are following the trend which is conducting to suicide of humanity. So that is the message the churches are trying to, to say to, to, and which are through church leaders, through religious leaders, hoping that because the church, the religions are the entities which can reach any corner in the continent. And say so we are reporting the effort which are made everywhere are to start to be made here and stop to cut trees, but plant trees and be aware about ongoing suicide of humanity if we don't change the trend of the situation. So that is the challenge we have. And once again, I want to thank you for the support we get through Act for Peace to sensitize communities. And uh, you know, in Africa, in our situation, this sensitization is made easier by the fact that 80% of the schools are owned by churches. And that is also a, a way to sensitize and channel information uh, on this. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, the question brings me to have another conference, uh, because there are many, the, <coughs> the Chinese who are coming uh, also to take advantage on African and maybe repressing the West, we say that being Chinese, being the people from Europe or America or elsewhere, no one, we, ca we cannot accept anyone to take advantage on us and profit from our situation and <coughs> take our wealth from which we don't have any share, any profit. That is the message. But I will not say we prefer the invasion of Chinese than the invasion, invasion of Western. It is the same. And we also are thinking of people, if we don't protect ourselves, anyone will come and take advantage of us. That is, that is, but once again, uh, I might also admit that there is some positive Collaboration. The trend is changing with Chinese, with Indians now, and they. Something is changing also in the relationship with Europe, with with West in general. To say uh, that is my speech to my partners, and you read it in the newspaper, which I was. I said yesterday. Somebody asked me, "What did you come uh, to look for in Australia?" I said, I came to look for nothing in Australia. Uh, we say we cannot accept anyone to do things for Africa as it has been going on all the time. We want to have partnership with anyone who wants to do things with us, not for us. That, that is, that is my, 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 my response to that. You may guess that I put, uh, I didn't not uh, wanted to talk about the genocide in Rwanda, 
uh, I, I would prefer to have your comment on that than me to talk about it. I just give few comments on that. The situation in Rwanda, the genocide in Rwanda, surprised Rwandans as, as it surprised all of you. Because as a pastor, I saw people whom I have baptized who killed the others also whom I had been baptized. We even saw people who have received the ordination in the ministry who also participated in the genocide and committed genocide. And this brings the question, what is the content of our belief? How in a country where 80% of the population has uh, pretend to belong to a Christian denomination, this could happen. No easy question. Why this has been possible in Germany? Because it is the same. Germany was a German, Christian German. Why this has happened? If we have a different definition of the church and say the church is not the crowd of everybody pretending to be a member of the church, the church is made of a minority of people who can even accept to die for their faith. We had the church in Rwanda. We know people who accepted to die, refusing to compromise with the sin of killing. So I really don't have uh, any response to the question. I was on the staff of the All Africa Conference of Churches that time in charge of theology department. And immediately after the genocide, I was called back by my church. I spent five years as the moderator of the church. We conducted a number of actions for reconciliation. We starting by uh, uh, writing a program, a special program, theological program, preparing pastors for the Ministry of Reconciliation. Uh, it has worked. I cannot say how it is. That the image we had as Rwandans of our situation was the image we have of the dry bones in Ezekiel. Can the dry bones come together again and be a body? We saw this miracle happening. Uh, when we brought these students uh, together, some from the refugee camps in Congo and Tanzania, others survivors who have lost their relatives, uh, they couldn't see each other face to face. After two years, they were ready to collaborate, not only to uh, continue to heal and to help others to heal. But uh, once again, the situation of Rwanda, the situation of Burundi, the situation of our countries, is particular because even that time when it was difficult to see each other face to face, people had to go to the same river to, look, to fetch water. They had to go to the same school. They had to go to the same market, to go to the same church and learn how to live together. So I can tell you that uh, now if you go there, you can see that something has happened. It's a miracle from God who has used individuals and communities and the church 
but uh, the work continues, the challenge continues. That is what I can say, uh, commenting on the Rwanda uh, situation. I may forgot some uh, of the questions. Yes, yes, okay. yes. But I wanted to see if I forgot one of the previous or if I tried to comment on the one those. But uh, I, I am ready to... to two areas. Thank you very much. Uh, the 
the phenomenon of refugee and the role of the child, I think the most important thing is the prevention. Is the pre uh, what I also wanted to make very clear, uh, and I many times say it in Europe, because when I speak to my friends in Europe, they really uh, complain about the, the refugees, with the refugees, how, how can we continue to be hospitable to, to, to those who come and who become refugees. Uh, from the church perspective, I want to, everybody to understand that uh, the phenomenon of refugees in Africa, actually the most uh, uh, group who receive and deal with the refugees are the poor population in Africa. The big, the small number, only a small number goes outside. And if there's those who survive and arrive in Australia, eh, they are very, very lucky and ecologists because the most uh, number, the biggest number, is dealt with, with the local population who help them with the means they have and then uh, until the situation becomes better. But uh, what we what, when we talk about peace in Africa, it is include this. Uh, peace is not the absence of war. Peace is is broader. If you are uh, if you, you you are in your country, you cannot you, you you are obliged to sleep empty stomach. There is no peace. There is no peace if you cannot choose your leaders. If you cannot speak if you cannot get medical treatment or if you cannot be educated, there's no peace. And I think the, the message, and I think it goes to what uh, uh, our young brother raised as a question, how can we help our brothers and sisters in Africa, is to help to make Africa a better place to live in. And no one is need to, to live for food, for security, for peace, uh, for security, for sec and this is impossible <coughs> because I am saying it is impossible because there are already initiatives, there are already existing structures, existing framework, which we need to. Observe. And I think in this action, uh, active for peace in Africa and other other partners dealing with Africa can be for a great help to say. This is a credible partner. This is a credible, credible network made of churches, made of um, civil society members, and we can reverse the situation from that. That is, I think, the way we we see uh, the the way to to reverse the situation, and that goes with the question of international organizations. Uh, any international organization which can sit somewhere and say, I want to go to change Africa, this pretension is empty. You cannot change Africa, except if you start by changing yourself and say, what are, what are people doing? What are, what, are, what are people able to do? We have some programs in the situation in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which has been revealed by world for many years. But when you have a people who wake up in the morning without anything, 
And the person has to create conditions which will help him or her to find the minimum to give to child. They end up the evening, they dance, sing, and sleep. And they start from scratch the following morning. You cannot say such people are stupid. They are creative. They have to create from nothing. So the, the, the question is to help them to use this creativity, not to survive, but to live. And this, this is really possible to, 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 de to depart from what people are and have and want and then respond accordingly. Uh, the question of apology. Yes, uh, we, had, uh, we had, even in my country, Rwanda, we had some uh, Belgium which uh, fabricated the, the, which put in your identity card uh, the ethnical belonging came to apologize and said we made a mistake. And the, I think it was very appreciated by the population. Uh, but I think the, my understanding of apology, of historical mistakes, which no, no, are not only historical mistakes, but historical crimes, is to reverse the situation. Is it to reverse the situation by, by saying that uh, what is happening when a number of people, our contemporaries people, are denied the right of living in dignity, we cannot enjoy and sleep and be happy alone. Especially if we are Christian. But if you, even if we don't need even to be Christian, if we have the minimum of humanity, we cannot say uh, this is the problem. So the only apology I see in, 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 in uh, if Clinton apologized, and this is not a fallout, by reversing the situation in Haiti, which everybody knows, it will be empty apology. I hope it may be a deep apology to reverse the situation and say, as I enjoy to live in dignity, is also the other, is, is when we speak about peace, uh, we don't say it as, as, as a phenomenon, as a, an option, is a right. Is a right, and I think if, if the nations and people will feel that uh, we want to, to and what, what also I say when we were speaking with the uh, other, other group of people, especially those who are responsible for the country, we say that if we, we call ourselves international community, we need to act as a community. And, uh, and I think uh, the sharing uh, from our Christian perspective, is an imperative. Uh, uh, Patricia asked me to, 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 to talk about our uh, active diplomacy. We, we believe that what is happening in Africa uh, is influenced by many, many actors, uh, and it goes beyond Africa, especially in terms of conflict. Give an example. You know what is happening in Somalia. In Somalia, and uh, 
the first when the conflict occurred in Somalia recently, Ethiopia intervened. And when Ethiopia intervened, actually they did not go on their own. They are going with the mandate of United States. And the other power saying, you are close, we support you, you do the job. And then, Ethiopia, as you know, has tensions and war with Eritrea. So Eritrea says, ah, that is well, that's good. If United States supports Ethiopia, I go to the Arab League. They say, you know, Somalia is a Muslim country. United States wanted to involve, get involved and make it a Christian country. So give us support, we support Islamists. So there is a proxy war between Ethiopia and Eritrea in Somalia using the West and the Arab League. So when we are involved in this, in mobilizing religious leaders and say, you, let's first say it's wrong to make it a religious conflict. At the same time, uh, when I was traveling to, to Australia, our emissary, emissary of the All Africa Conference of Churches, with the support of other faiths, went to see the General Secretary of the Arab League and say, who is the victim of that? This when elephant fight, the glass is victim. So the population of Somalia and the world is completely being complicated by that. But he also went to talk about Sudan uh, and the future of Sudan. Etc. So we have these kind of uh, uh, diplomacy where either we go to see some head of state and do some advocacy uh, for peace, but we at the same time we say if we go at the high level like that, we need to have the people at the national level who follow it up and we use the national councils and then we tell them that we need, but because at the end of the day, we cannot, we cannot claim for peace if the population doesn't know it is their right. Just the whole African Conference of Churches has an office and observer status in the African Union. If you read the African Union text signed by head of state, committing for good governance, for respecting human rights, for protecting children. Tremendous text. Signed. Commitment. And the African Union leadership tells us, you know, these texts exist. They sign it, but they don't want the population to know it. So what we do as the World Africa Conference of Churches is we say, we are engaging behind diplomacy to talk with you, but we give her this text. We take them to churches. They read to the population on Sunday. We give them to Muslims. They read to, to the population on Friday. And the population know and can say, they are the only one who will tell people, we will not vote you if you don't implement what you sign, and we know it. So uh, some countries, it is making noise because they say, how are they being spread? We, we, we say, we are the ones spreading it. <laughs> so it's a very interesting dynamics which the, the church 
doing that, we are uh, very hopeful that we can reverse the situation. We need your solidarity. I'm conscious that uh, we've been uh, having you stand and speak for a little over an hour already, um, close to an hour and a quarter. Are you, would you like to, to break at this point? or? Probably with some sustenance <laughs> along the way, I suspect. Uh, are there any further uh, areas uh, from the floor that uh, you would be interested to explore? This is off topic, Doctor, but recently it was reported here that Rwanda became part of the Commonwealth. Rwanda is a francophone country <laughs> and I'm very interested to know how this... You are very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but how did this come about? How did this come about? It's an extraordinary thing. <laughs> uh, uh, first, Rwanda is not a francophone country. Rwanda is a Rwandophone country. Uh, I apologise. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we speak Chinya Rwanda, all of yes. us. Uh, and uh, my young brother here, Eric, He's from Burundi. We speak the same language. So it goes, it cross. And my brother, I don't know, depending on where he's from, in Congo. I'm speaking Chiruba. Speaking Chiruba. Huh? If he speaks, I can also catch some words I know. But his country people from Bukavu, Goma, when we speak, we can also understand each other. So we have this wide linguistic uh, African understanding. How Rwanda became francophone, which is not even meaningful because Rwandan speaking and Congolese speaking French are not even 5%. And those who had a chance to go to school, the rest of the population are Rwandophone. They speak the mother tongue. That is one dimension. Secondly, uh, and I think this is very, very easy to discuss also with our French in France. French themselves now are challenged to communicate with the world with the French. Because when I was studying in Switzerland in the 90s, I could travel to, to Germany, I could go to Netherlands or to the north of Europe and speak French. The generation of that time had learned French at school. Now, today, the situation has completely changed. Netherlands, Sweden, Denmark, uh, Norway, Germany, uh, all the European countries speak English as the second mother tongue. Last year, we had a meeting in Paris with European network. We spoke English. That is a new trend. So uh, when we talk with our friends in France, like they say, you know, the future of France is in Africa. Hmm? That's what they tell us. But we tell them hmm. that we like to use French as a means, but if it cannot help us to communicate with the rest of the continent, the rest of the world, uh, we will communicate with being English or French. It is a foreign language. What we need is to communicate. Now come to the question of Rwanda. Huh? You know, it is not a secret to anybody. 
when the world war occurred in Rwanda, the government of Rwanda for that period went quickly to, to France and said, come to protect the French language because we are invaded by people from Uganda. And if they win, they will transform the country in Anglophone country. So French came to protect the French language, not to protect the people. So later on, <laughs> this group of Rwandans who grew up in Uganda took the power. Now, immediately Rwanda put in the constitution that you are a bilingual country because it is a group, one of part of the elite. Because as I said, French in Africa is or English in many countries is the language of elite. Now, another trend came when. Rwanda is, as you know, geographically is a continental, uh, is, is in, inside the continent without access in any, uh, um, how do you call it? Landlocked. Yes. No port. No port. You know, this English is different. <laughs> so, we, when we to communicate, to get our goods, everything passes, either via Mombasa, Kenya, Anglophone, or Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, speaking English. So for understandable reasons, Rwanda chosen to join, Rwanda and Burundi, to join East Africa community. Now we are part of East Africa community. And this is very important because when I got to Kenya, I got a job, I went to look for work permit, they said, as a Rwandan, you don't need. So I don't need a work. It is on your advantage. Mm. So when Rwanda joined uh, East Africa community, when the situation of the French language in the world, this motivated Rwanda to stress on teaching in English, how the government negotiated to be part of Commonwealth, I don't know, <coughs> that is a secret of politicians, uh, but uh, the logic of using English as a means to help us to communicate with the world <coughs> is a good political choice. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the rest of Africa, those who have, who have access to wealth, and, uh, they send their children in English school, in Cameroon, in Gabon, in... Uh, so, uh, the future of French in Africa is also uh, France is trying to have uh, the organization of Francophonie. We are in solidarity with them. I, I speak better English, better French than in Franglais. <laughs> I write better in, in French, but I am obliged to struggle with the Franglais. That is what I can say. Thank you. Margaret's uh, now I think at the time when it would be sensible for me to uh, draw our activities to a close. I know uh, you're a little later yet you, uh, you need to be at another venue but uh, perhaps we'll break shortly and uh, you might still be available just to take a cup of coffee with us and, uh, and perhaps answer one or two questions on a one-to-one -one basis or some comments.
but uh, before we uh, we sort of break, I, I think I'd have a couple of thank yous to uh, to make. Uh, clearly, one to you, which I'll do. But uh, Patricia, the um, the work which Act for Peace has has done, in, in particular in uh, sponsoring the activities of Dr. Karamaga into Australia, is something which uh, has presented us with this opportunity here. So. Uh, we uh, very much appreciate that, that link and, uh, and that opportunity, so thank you for that. Uh, for all of you who have come out on a Saturday morning, I must say it was with a little bit of apprehension that we listed our, uh, our, uh, our visit this morning as a Saturday morning visit because I thought it may be difficult uh, for people to find their way here, but you've clearly made the effort, so I would thank you all for that. Uh, Social policy connections is probably known to some of you, but, uh, but not all of you. Uh, and uh, I just say, as we are leaving shortly, that we have at the, uh, the back some material about our organisation. We, too, are an ecumenical organisation. And uh, our, our claim, or aim, I should say more than claim, but our aim is to, uh, in a sense, do some of the things which... Uh, Dr. Karamaga has been talking about, and that is to put into the public domain uh, Christian thinking and to be influential in affecting both the dialogue around policy and the policy itself. It's an ambitious aim, and we're a small organisation, so uh, I don't make any great claims just yet, but uh, it's very heartening, I must say, uh, Andre, to hear the w way that you uh, were speaking and to understand the way in which uh, the churches can play a significant role in the, both the formation and the development of public policy uh, and, uh, and in country. So it's a great model for us and I found it very uplifting. Uh, your topic uh, addressed specifically the question of hope. Um, we often, I think a bit foolishly, think about hope as being some sort of uh, optimism uh, which isn't founded in uh, anything much other than a desire that the future will be better than the present. But I think that the hope that you've been speaking to us today, the hope that the uh, churches are bringing to Africa, is a, is a genuine hope, well grounded, uh, both in the sense of uh, where uh, you're going, but also very clearly um, grounded in the sense of the role that the Christian belief in God has to uh, contribute to the countries and to the continent. Um, I can only say uh, two things, I think. The one is to thank you very much. Andre said when I picked him up that he's actually on holidays. This is a very funny way to spend a holiday, but uh, we're glad that you're here holidaying in Australia, if that's the case. So thank you for that. Uh, and thank you for the contribution that you've made uh, to our understanding of the issues of Africa this morning. I have um, just a small token. I don't know that you're very long in Melbourne, so this is a, a book which uh, will give you some memories of Melbourne, which maybe you didn't actually get to experience, <laughs> but, but you can look at the photos. But thank you very much. Thank you.